Good morning again. Today we're continuing our series through the book of 2 Corinthians called The God of All Comfort. And if you're just joining us, you're just watching now, my name is Adam and I serve as the pastor here at South Durham. And I'm so glad that you're here. Today I have a message for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And my title is The Comfort of Ministry in the Spirit. The Comfort of Ministry in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to read Corinthians chapter 3. Before I do, I want to give you a quick definition of comfort as we're talking about it through this series. Comfort is the strength that God gives. Uh, it's, a, it's a resolve and a power that comes to us from the outside. It's a fortification that helps us through troubled times. See, the Apostle Paul was writing the book of 2 Corinthians after he had gone through some incredibly difficult times in his life and in his ministry. And so we're learning from him as he's writing to this church about the God of all comfort. So let's pray together and then I'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and we'll talk about the comfort of ministering in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, these are difficult times, challenging times for everyone as we are continuing uh, on and learning how to work from home and, and be in quarantine and isolation and be socially distant. I pray that you'd be near to those who are struggling uh, and all of us who are struggling in different ways, uh, challenged by this new reality. We pray especially that you would be with those who are, work in the medical fields uh, and with those who are sick, that you'd be near to them and bring them comfort and peace in these days. I pray too, God, we pray together that you would strengthen our church, help us to know how we can serve and how we can minister in the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, to our city, to our neighbors, and even in our homes through this time. And I pray that you would do that through this, this time together in the Word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said, we're going to be talking about the comfort of spiritual ministry, but I'd like to read the text to us first. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, and it goes like this. This is what God's Word says. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, 
with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now again, my title today is The Comfort of Ministry in the Spirit. And when I say ministry, I mean just speaking to other people about Jesus. I mean discipleship. You can think about that when you're talking to somebody else in the church, helping them mature in Christ. Or you can think about evangelism when you're talking to somebody outside of the church and trying to help them uh, come to Christ and know who Jesus is. That's the kind of ministry that I'm talking about. And uh, we're talking about ministry in the Spirit, and there's great comfort in that. And we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians 3. We're going to learn four reasons that we have comfort in this ministry that we're all called to as Christians. Every single Christian is called to the ministry of the gospel and ministry in the Spirit. And I want to tell you four reasons we have comfort to keep going in ministry, uh, no matter what the world throws at us. The first reason is we minister to people because the Spirit has ministered to us. We minister to people because the Spirit has ministered to us. In fact, the Holy Spirit has worked in us. You see this in the first three verses. Paul says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? He says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known by all and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So notice here that spiritual ministry is authenticated by people and not by papers. Paul is saying that, that spiritual ministry comes not from credentials, but by what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's hearts. And if we get this wrong, we will either be overconfident in our ministry uh, or we'll be underconfident and we won't minister to other people in the name of Jesus. Well, Paul didn't need a diploma, a degree, a certificate, or even letters of recommendation to minister to the church in Corinth and minister the gospel to them. He uh, ministered in the power of the Spirit, and their lives were changed, and that was testimony enough. So this means you don't have to have a diploma or a certain degree to minister to others in the name of Jesus. You just have to have an experience with Jesus. You have to know Him and have a relationship with Him. Uh, the second thing to see in this first part, not only is spiritual ministry authenticated by people and not by uh, papers, but secondly, spiritual ministry is internal before it's external. Spiritual ministry is something that happens to us before it's something we do to others or for others. Before we speak to others about Christ, the Spirit has done a work in our hearts. Uh, Paul says, if the Holy Spirit has changed you, He's written Christ on your heart. That ministry starts with God ministering to us, changing us from the inside, and then we go out to others and serve them. Uh, so you and I must have the Holy Spirit in us before we can minister Christ to others. And there's great comfort in that because if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, meaning if you trust Jesus above and beyond anyone or anything else, then that means you have the Holy Spirit of God inside you. If you believe Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, that's because the Holy Spirit has worked that in your heart. No one comes to genuine faith in Christ except through the working of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said it this way in John chapter 6, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Genuine faith in Jesus is supernatural. It's a miraculous work of God the Father through the Holy Spirit in a human heart. That means that real Christians are not Christians because they're good people. But real Christians are Christians because even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, God saved us, and sent the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Christianity is not an outside-in religion. It's an inside-out lived experience. And so you, if, if you are united now to Christ by faith, you are a living, breathing miracle of grace. And that ought to give you comfort as you think about your calling as a Christian to minister in the Spirit to others. We minister because the Spirit has ministered in us. The prophecy in Jeremiah 31 has come true. This is what it says. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Do you know Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? If so, that's the working of the Spirit on your heart. And He is inside of you. And that gives us comfort to minister to other people no matter what. Second reason that we minister and find comfort in ministry in the Holy Spirit is this. We minister because it's the Holy Spirit who makes us sufficient to minister to people. We minister to people in the name of Jesus because it's the Spirit who makes us sufficient to minister to other people. Now, everybody wants to know if they're enough, if they have enough, if they're adequate to do whatever the task is that's before them. One of the paradoxes of Christianity, one of the beauties of the gospel, is that only those who recognize their inadequacy are adequate for the mission of the gospel, for ministering to people. Did you notice what Paul says in verse, starting in verse 4? He says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we're called to minister as a church, and we're looking for ways in the midst of this pandemic to minister uh, to each other and to the world around us. And we're looking for ways to minister what it's going to look like after this pandemic. But we need to keep this in mind. We don't minister out of self-sufficient strength. We minister out of God-sufficient weakness. We don't minister as if we are the strong party coming in, let us help you because we have all this figured out. We minister knowing that we are insufficient before God and before people, that we need the Spirit to move in us and through us and in those we minister to if there's going to be true change in their hearts. The secret of the Apostle Paul's power to minister to people was that he knew he was powerless in himself. To minister to people. We minister out of weakness. 
Our confidence is not in ourselves, it's in Christ. There is freedom in that, and of course there's paradox in that. We can rest in our personal inadequacy, knowing that we have an adequacy that comes from God, that's a gift from God. There's a great freedom in that because we all know within us that we feel this inadequacy, that we feel like, you know, one day we're going to be found out that we're not adequate for whatever it is we're doing, or that we're, we feel paralyzed. We can't minister to people. We can't speak words of comfort or joy to people because we don't have it in ourselves. The paradox of the gospel is there is rest in your inadequacy because Christ, through the Holy Spirit, makes us sufficient. So we minister out of weakness, God's sufficient weakness. We keep ministering to people because the Holy Spirit makes us enough, makes us sufficient to minister. So your experience with Christ is enough to qualify you to minister to other people. Adequacy for ministry doesn't come from personal credentials, doesn't come from your feelings of adequacy. It comes from God who through Christ uh, and through the Spirit gives you sufficiency as a gift because He's going to work through us in the power of His Holy Spirit to minister to others. So we keep ministering because it's the Spirit of God who makes us enough to minister to others' hearts. We continue in ministry. Here's a third reason to minister to other people even when times are difficult that we learn from this, uh, from Paul's example in this chapter. We minister because spiritual ministry has surpassing and permanent glory. We minister in the Spirit, and there's comfort in ministering in the Spirit, because spiritual ministry has surpassing and permanent glory. Now look with me at verses 7 through 11, and these are these, if you don't know much about the Old Testament, these are tough to follow. We're going to unpack them a little bit. Uh, verses 7 through 11 say this. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? So, what's the ministry of death carved in letters on stone? Well, he's talking about the, the Old Testament law. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. Uh, that that is, he's calling it a ministry of death, and we're going to see why. And it was carved in letters on stone. And then there's the ministry of the Spirit, which has even more glory. And that's the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, how much more will what is permanent have glory? So the contrast here is between Moses' ministry and the ministry of the gospel. It's between the ministry of the law and the letter and the ministry of the spirit and life. So Moses' ministry was glorious and worthy. It was, a, it was glorious ministry, Paul says, but it brought death, not life. And it was temporary, not permanent. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, there are other passages in the Bible, particularly in the book of Romans, that help us understand what Paul is saying. And what he's saying is that the Old Testament law it was good in itself. They're good rules, but what they show us is if we try to follow them, they show us that we can't do it. And so they only bring condemnation. You know, there's no one who has loved God with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
There's no one who's loved their neighbor perfectly as themselves. Uh, so everyone who comes up against the law of God is shown that, that they can't measure up, that actually they deserve punishment from God for breaking God's law. And so it's a ministry that brings death. But praise God, it was a temporary ministry. It was put in as a, as a guardian for God's people Israel to show us what way is good, to convince us that we cannot choose the good, we can't choose to go the right way, that in ourselves we are inadequate to do that. But it's not permanent, it's not the final answer that God has to the problem of sin and brokenness in the world. There is a new covenant, and that is the covenant of Jesus Christ. And we are called to that ministry, the ministry of a new covenant, which is spiritual ministry, ministry in the Spirit, that brings life and is permanent. This is, it lasts forever. Now, how does this ministry work? Well, the way the gospel works is that Jesus Christ came as the perfect Israelite. He's the one who upheld the law from beginning to end. He kept all of it, living a perfect life that we should have lived. And then he went to the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And these sacrifices, atoning sacrifices, are described for us in the Old Testament law. But all of them are just pointers to what Christ did on the cross, which is that on the cross, he died in our place to atone for our sins. The righteous one uh, took on the punishment and the guilt of our unrighteousness, of our sin, uh, of our failure to uphold the law, so that we could be given his perfect record of righteousness. And then we are welcomed into God's family and given the gift of life, not by works, by obeying God well enough that we could climb the ladder to heaven, but we are given life by, by a gift of grace. God is gracious with us and he, he gives us this, his spirit works to give us life. And then he calls us into this spiritual ministry that brings life to other people and lasts forever. Now, there is nothing in the whole world, there's nothing in this global pandemic that could ever do anything to diminish the power or the permanence of what was accomplished on the cross. So we take comfort in spiritual ministry knowing that it is glorious and permanent because Jesus is still alive. No matter what happens in the world, he is still ascended and, and seated at the right hand of God, and he is still coming again to judge the living and the dead. There's nothing that can touch that. So we take comfort to continue to minister in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, even in trying and difficult times. Amen? So that's a third reason. We, South Durham Church, we have an opportunity to speak Christ and speak life to each other and to the world in the midst of this global pandemic. We have a new covenant ministry and that gives us comfort to continue to minister in the Spirit. Fourth reason we see that Paul gives, or we see in Paul in this chapter uh, is in verses 12 through 18. And it's this, we continue to minister, we keep on ministering because in the Spirit, we all together are seeing the Lord and being transformed into His image. We minister because in the Spirit, we together are seeing the Lord and being transformed into His image. You see this in verses 12 through 18, they say this, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. See that? We're bold to continue 
in ministry. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We're very bold to keep on ministering in the name of Jesus, to minister in the Spirit, because we have this permanent message, this permanent covenant hope. And Paul here is talking about Moses and how when the Jews in the synagogue would read Moses and they didn't see Christ, their hearts were hardened. But then when they turned to the Lord, when they believed in Christ, suddenly they could read the Old Testament in a new way. And I've heard this experience of Jews even today who have come to Jesus that that when they were in Judaism, they couldn't understand why Christians believe what Christians believe. But then one day they were challenged by a Christian to read the Old Testament or read the New Testament. And they read this, the Gospels and they thought, this is just the sequel. This, this makes so much sense of everything that came before. God opens people's eyes through the reading of the New Testament through his word when people see Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about there. But I want to highlight verses uh, 17 through 18, especially, because these are a great comfort to us as we continue to minister to each other and minister to the world in these times of uncertainty. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, uh, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So there's two aspects uh, of those verses, two things that are true uh, in the Spirit. One is, in the Spirit, we can see Jesus. We're beholding the glory of the Lord. When we're ministering to people, when we're talking to each other in the church, or we're talking to people outside the church about Jesus, we're not just talking about somebody that we've read about in a book. We're not talking about somebody that we have thought about or whose teachings we've we've admired we're talking about somebody that in the spirit we have beheld with the eyes of our hearts isn't that true if you're a believer in jesus haven't you seen jesus in your heart not not visibly not necessarily that you've had a vision of jesus but that you have a sense on your heart of the reality and person of who christ is because the Spirit is living in you. Haven't you tasted and seen that He is good? Can you not testify to Him personally? Christianity at the, at the heart is not a religion, but a relationship. And if you have the indwelling Spirit, then you know you have seen Jesus and believed in Him. And that is a comfort and strengthens us for continuing to minister no matter what. And the second aspect uh, that I want you to see in these texts, the second thing I want you to, to notice is that in the Spirit, we're being transformed into Jesus' image. Now, there's a deep principle here that we don't have time to go into today. It's the principle that you become like what you behold. That whatever it is you worship is what you become like. 
that, that what you fix your eyes on as your goal, as your uh, North Star, as, as that thing that you aspire to, that's what you become like. And at any moment in your life, you're looking at something, you know, with the eyes of your heart. You're looking somewhere and you become like what you behold. And in the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are beholding Jesus and we are being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. There's so much there. This means that that you can change, that we can change, that the Spirit is changing us, freeing us from old patterns, old sins, old ways that we're breaking our relationships and, and, and breaking things in our lives, freeing us to become more and more into the image of the one whom we behold. And you know, we were all made in God's image originally. We were all made to be like God. But it was through sin coming into the world that we broke, that that image has been marred in us. We broke our relationship with God. We wanted to be God. And so that image is marred in us and we're not what we should be. But now, if we are in the Spirit, beholding Jesus, He is making us more and more into Christ's image. The, the, the big theological word for that is progressive sanctification. That we're being made more and more into the image of Christ. And you know it doesn't, if you've been a Christian any amount of time, you know it doesn't just look like you become a Christian and then you get more and more and more and more like Jesus and it's like perfect uh, growth curve, you know, linear, or even if you're, you know, exponential, it's great. That's not how it works. Sanctification doesn't work that way. It works like fits and starts, like a roller coaster, but it's, you know, we hope it's trending upward, that our likeness to Jesus looks more and more like him as we go. But take comfort to minister to other people in the name of Jesus. Because even on the days when it feels like you're taking a step back, the Holy Spirit is working in you to transform you into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. And one day we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. So there's a lot of reason for comfort in continuing in ministry in this text. We minister to people because the Spirit has worked in us. We minister to people because the Spirit has made us sufficient. We minister to people because spiritual ministry has surpassing and permanent glory. And we minister to people because in the Spirit we are all seeing Jesus and being transformed into His image. I know it's a tough time. It's a tough time for me. It's a tough time for everybody. But I want to ask you this week, to think about a way that you can minister in the name of Jesus to somebody in your life. Maybe it's somebody in your home, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor. How can you minister in the Spirit, minister Jesus to somebody this week that needs hope, that needs help? Maybe it's as simple as inviting them to watch with you next Sunday or come to community group with you online this week. Maybe you have the chance, or God will give you the chance, to, to speak the gospel to them, to tell them about who Christ is. We know these are tough times. They're tough times for everybody. But I want to encourage you to look outward, outside of yourself, and see who God might be leading you to minister to in the Spirit in this coming week. Who can you tell about Jesus? Who can you encourage? And I want you to know this. We're asking this together uh, as we think about leading the church, the, the elders and staff, we're thinking, how can we best 
lift up the name of Jesus and help people know him in the midst of this pandemic and on the other side of it, whatever the new normal is going to look like in the coming weeks and month, months. We're asking, who will we minister to in the Spirit? Uh, how are we going to lift up Jesus together? We're asking that, and I invite you to ask it with us. And that's going to be our conversation this week in community groups. I'd love to see you there. Uh, let me pray for you, and then we'll uh, sing another song, and I'll be back in a few minutes with just a few announcements. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, that he has changed our lives, that he's opened our eyes to see Jesus, that he's made us new, and that he is transforming us from the inside out into the image of Christ our Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would send us out like you sent Paul out. Send us out to minister to people in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, this week. And for anybody here who has not yet committed to Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would change them by the power of your Spirit even now and begin to send them out on this same mission. Lord, we thank you for it, for its permanence and its glory, that you've called us into it, not because of anything in us, but because you are glorious and sufficient for everything. We thank you for the gift of grace. We ask your, your leading in this week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.